right here. Good evening, good evening, everyone. I'm going to work from the floor tonight. Can you open your Bible to Hebrews 6 with me, please? In Hebrews chapter 6, we'll start there just like we started all weekend long. It's Hebrews 6 where I'm reading in verse 18. By 2, Hebrews 6, 18, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. This weekend has been about hope, and I hope that you've received a double dose of the Word of God to help you in, be encouraged and to persevere and to endure because you have more hope in the working of God in your life. I've loved being with you. It's just a joy to be with this church, to be with this church again, and especially to be with my good friend Warren Berkeley and his good wife, Miss Paula. Dean and I hold them in enormously high regard. As you know, Warren and I are great friends. We do a lot of things together besides get into trouble. I need to make that point very clear. Work together on a digital subscription journal. Warren helps me with our annual preacher Bible study that we do at Westside where I labor every year and lots of other stuff. And I just think the world of Warren, I know that you do as well. It's been great to be with him and it's great to be here at the Laurel Heights Church. Really great to see some things that you've done to spruce up this building and to see you doing well in the Lord. Let's think then for just a minute or two about hope, particularly tonight, our focus would be on sharing our hope what we call evangelism. Can I get you to turn to the evangelistic text of the New Testament? That's Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, read with me there in Matthew 28, right at the end of the Gospel of Matthew in verse 18. Jesus said, Matthew 28 and 18, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the great missionary text of the New Testament. Yet even as I say that word missionary, or even as the word evangelism appears upon the screen, there's that uncomfortable tension. Do you think of yourself as a missionary? I mean, generally speaking, missionaries are people who go to some far-off place, maybe they don't even speak the language, where the culture and people are not like them, undergoing all kinds of dangers and risks by so going to that far-off land. When we think in missionary terms like that, it's very easy for us to say, that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a missionary. I'll pray for missionaries, but... But I've got a lot of other things I've got going in my life. I need to wash my goldfish. I mean, there's just things going on. I'm busy doing. I'm not a missionary. Yet in the New Testament, the gospel takes over the Roman Empire, the then known world. Not just because the 11 guys in Matthew 28 go places with the gospel. The book of Acts records again and again and again regular people carrying the gospel to places everywhere in the Roman Empire. It is an amazing account in Acts over and over and over again 
we see regular people. We meet ordinary disciples who care about Jesus, who have the hope that God is working in their lives, and they want to talk to somebody else and help them connect with Jesus so that God will work in their lives as well. So I want to challenge you this evening to ask, are you a missionary? Are you a missionary? Now, let's drain a little of the tension out of that, out of that question. Being a missionary today does not involve walking thousands and thousands of miles or carrying a snake bite kit or even learning a foreign language. You will not need your passport today to be a missionary because I want to talk with you about those incredible devices that we all carry in our back pocket. I have one somewhere here. Where did all these things go? I'm talking about, here we go, talking about one of these. It's called a smartphone. This is the uh, iPhone version of that. You may be carrying an Android version of that. But with one of these, you can connect with people literally around the world. This may be the greatest evangelistic tool ever created. We all have one. And to use it, all we need is a missionary mindset. All we need is the willingness to say, I'm going into the 21st century using 21st century tools. I want to help people know Jesus. I want people to have the hope of the gospel in their life. I'm going to be a digital missionary. And there are three big steps in order to do that. Are you ready? Let's talk about three steps that will help you become a digital missionary. No door knocking. No learning foreign languages. No shipwrecks. Well, that's a, that's a huge bonus. I thought for sure somebody would at least smile. You will not be bitten by a snake. See? This is working. Let's make it work. Step number one to be a digital missionary. Recognize God doesn't want everybody to be a missionary. Wow, that kind of seems to go counter to everything I just said in my introduction. But if you'll look with me over in the book of James, look with me in James chapter 3. In James chapter 3 and verse 1. In James 3 and in verse 1, this wonderfully practical book. James says there, James 3 and verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. When we get to talking about evangelism, it doesn't take very long until the general sense of the idea is that everybody should be a teacher. Everybody should be a preacher. That you should be accosting total strangers in the grocery store parking lot. Maybe you should be knocking doors. All of us should be out there teaching Bible studies, which of course is entirely contra to what James just said about not everyone being called to be a teacher. In fact, I think one of the great mistakes of Christianity today is this mindset, this thinking that somehow if I was a real Christian, yes, I'd be a missionary to the Amazon. Tell you this, my parents travel very, very widely. They are global travelers and they made a trip to the Amazon. And my mom told me that one night they went on a night hike in the Amazon and the guide stuck his walking stick down a hole and pulled out a spider the size of a dinner plate. 
My list of places to go be a missionary. The Amazon. No! Wow! Don't want to go places like that. And that's exactly how most people feel about missionary work. But when you start to think about the New Testament, most Christians did not go far away to foreign places. Paul goes places like Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica and the churches of Galatia. And there are Christians there and he establishes those churches there. And what do they do? They stay there. They don't all go to the Amazon. They support Paul and Silas and Barnabas and others who are going abroad. But mostly they are right there where they live and work and know people. And they are being missional. They are being evangelistic in their hometowns. Paul does not write letters and say, what is wrong with you people in Philippi? All of you should quit your job and go move to some far-off barbaric place like, oh, I don't know, Mississippi. <clears throat> They're taping this, aren't they? Oh, my. Go to some far-off barbaric place and preach the gospel. Paul doesn't say that. However, having now said, maybe we're not going to the Amazon, can I get you to look at Matthew 5? Can I get you to look at Matthew, the fifth chapter? In Matthew 5, maybe a better word than missionary is the word influencer. Because Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 14, You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to the entire house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What about being an influence? By the way, that's not just for apostles. The Sermon on the Mount is for everyone. There are crowds there. This is disciple stuff. And the text here speaks about having an influence on the people that you meet in day-to-day -day life. Being an influencer. Now I'm using that term advisedly, but I think it works. The young people already know what I mean by influencer. This is an influencer. Meet Ryan Kaji. Ryan Kaji is 11 years old. According to Forbes magazine, last year Ryan Kaji made $30 million dollars. On his YouTube channel. Ryan Kaji is an influencer. He makes videos. That's what he does. He makes videos where he's playing with toys. And then he recommends toys. Or he says this toy is a bust. Don't buy it. And a lot of people watch Ryan on YouTube. That video right there received 78 million views. Ryan Kaji has 32 million subscribers to his YouTube channel. When 32 million people watch your channel, toy manufacturers will send you free toys. Toy manufacturers will send you money. Advertising clicks off of his channel will drive his revenue stream. 
His videos have been viewed more than 51 billion, billion with a B, times. Ryan Kaji has influence. See what we're talking about now? See what we're talking about? Ryan Kaji has used his YouTube channel, now he has channels plural, to express, to spread his influence about toys. He does some science experiments. Lots of people watching this guy doesn't have a production truck doesn't have massive studios, all kinds of cameras. Nope. Started it all. Started it all. Fired up a phone. Got on YouTube. Look at his influence. Bonus. Moms and dads. Next time your child says, I want to raise an allowance, tell them, start a $30 million YouTube channel. Yes. Yes. That might even pay for college. But as we're thinking about that, what we're seeing is the influence of social media in our world today. Everybody has social media today. In 2008, only 10% of Americans had a social media account. Now, 79% of us have a social media account. That means that 88% of 18 to 29 year olds are on social media. 78% of 30 to 49 year olds are there. 69% of 50 to 64 year olds are there. Look at this. 40% of people over 65 have a social media account. Don't tell me you can't do this because you got gray in your hair. My mom has a social media account. And if I tell you how old she is, she'll hunt me down and hurt me. My dad is on social media. You can do this. Lots of people are doing this. Overall, 74% of people use Facebook every day. 72% of people are on YouTube, probably watching Ryan Kaji, every single day. 63% are on Instagram every single day. Guess what? Those numbers just keep going up. When I see those numbers, some things come to mind. Like, why aren't you on social media? Sometimes I hear people, they almost brag, I'm not on social media. Why not? If the whole world nearly is on social media, why aren't we on social media meeting them with the gospel of Christ? I can't even imagine. Can you imagine Paul saying, I'm not going to do that male thing? It's so complicated. Papyrus. Where do you get that? You got to seal it up. You need a secretary. The Roman mail system. Ah, I can't do the epistle thing. Can you imagine a missionary moving to a village? And in the village, maybe in Timbuktu somewhere, they have this big bulletin board. And the missionary says to the chief of the local tribe, Hey, what is this about? And he says, this is where we post notices for everything that's going on. And the missionary looks. And there's notices for the Buddhist temple. There's notices for what the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing. There's notices for all community events. And the missionary looks at this where all, the whole community comes down here, reads the bulletin board. And the missionary looks at that and says, Oh, you know, I, I can't do that bulletin board thing. Thumbtacks. Uh, where, where would you get some of those? And if I got involved in this, I'd probably just end up standing down here all day looking at the bulletin board. I'm not going to put anything there. What would we say? Dude, everybody looks at this. 
Why don't you put notices about what you're doing in this village about the gospel of Christ on this bulletin board? If 74% of people are on Facebook, if 63% of people are on Instagram, why aren't I there? Somebody says, well, you know, there's just so much bad stuff on the internet, which is absolutely right. So how come we don't put some good stuff on the internet? Why don't we balance out the bad with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Technology has invented and served us up a platform that is absolutely astonishing in its reach and power. And it is reaching everybody. And we're not using it, or at best we are using it to complain about the weather and post funny cat videos. Maybe there would be a better use for that. What if we became digital influencers? What if we became digital missionaries? What if we use social media to influence people for the kingdom of God? What about that? And someone said, I was preaching this and working this, someone said, you act like everybody has to be on social media. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. It's not for everybody. It isn't. Especially our kids. There's some things we need to be careful with in regards to that. And moms and dads, you need to use good judgment and wisdom and discernment about that. But particularly if you're already there, if you are contemplating going there, maybe now you're thinking about starting a social media account, think about what you could do for the cause of Christ online. Which would bring me to step two, which is, we need to think like missionary. We need to think like missionary. Look at Acts 16. In Acts 16, let's try Acts 16.3. This is Acts 16 and verse 3, where we read about Paul... And we read about a young man named Timothy. In Acts 16 and 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, so he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? That's a big deal. If you ask me, circumcision is a big deal. What's up with that? Well, when Paul goes places on these missionary tours, where's the first place he goes when he gets to town? Goes to the synagogue. Why does Paul go to the synagogue? Because he knows there are like-minded people there who believe in the same Bible that he believes in and that are looking for the Messiah. Paul does not, generally speaking, accost complete and total strangers. Paul goes places where he already has some connection. He can build a relationship. He's Jewish. They're Jewish. We're all Jewish. Let's talk about the Jewish Bible. Let's talk about the Jewish Messiah. But in order to go in that synagogue, you needed to be... You need to be circumcised. So Timothy is willing to make a major sacrifice so that they can open the door for the gospel to go through. That's the missionary mindset, isn't it? What can I do to accommodate myself to these people so I can get a hearing for the gospel? When missionaries arrive at a destination, what do they do? They start learning about this culture they try to learn the language. They learn the taboos, things we don't do here. They learn how to dress. They learn how to ask. They learn how to talk. They learn how to eat. They learn how to build relationships. I want to find my place 
in their world so that I can give the gospel a platform to stand on. That is missionary 101. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 20, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 20, in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 20, to the Jews I became a Jew, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I could win those outside the law. To the weak, I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. There it is. What can I do to fit into your world so that you'll hear the gospel? Let's think about that in terms of digital missionary work. Because one of the things that missionaries do so carefully is they make sure they never offend anyone. They don't want to cross the culture and hack everybody off. What would happen if somebody went to an eastern country where everybody bows? And finally, after a while, the missionary said, Can we stop with the bowing? That is, I, you're driving me nuts. I am not, no. No, do not bow. I'm not bowing. No more bowing. What kind of influence could you have if you acted that way? Several years ago, I got to go to South Africa on a missionary preaching trip. And we were in the part of South Africa where the Zulu tribes are and came to learn very, very quickly. Zulus feel very strongly about food. We go to a potluck. And there's all this amazing food and so forth and so on. And I went to grab a plate to help myself. And a Zulu lady, a Zulu sister, she took my plate. And then she went right down the row and started putting stuff on the plate. She put stuff on the plate that I don't know what is. She put more stuff on the plate that I'm not going to eat. And I got to the end of the row, and finally I said to the brother who's hosting us, you know, I kind of, mm, you know, normally I help my own plate. And he said, that's not how Zulus do it. The ladies will help your plate for you. What would have happened if I had said, give me that? What do you think? I'm a kid. I will help my own plate. No, no. I said to that sister, thank you very much. And took my very helped plate. Missionaries never want to offend. Which would mean then when I go online with my digital presence, what kind of things would I post? How about this? You know that candidate that I didn't vote for? He's a complete fool and all the people who voted for him are morons. What would happen then to all the people who voted for him? How much influence do I have with them now? Hey, you know your stance on the latest hot button issue? Whether it is political scandals, whether it's international politics, whether it is the war in Ukraine, whatever's going on in the local school district, you know your take on it? If your take is different than my take, you're an idiot. How does that help? How does that expand our influence for the gospel? Why would we do that if we're trying to be digital missionaries? If we can understand so clearly 
that someone in a foreign land would never want to offend? Why do we climb onto our social media account and immediately offend 50% of the people? You don't agree with me, you're the problem. Is that working? Is that how missionaries operate? Even when we teach the gospel, even when we get on our social media so that we can have influence, aren't we going to be careful about how we do that? What about those posts? You see these posts? You see these posts? If you're not baptized, you're going to hell. Do you know how many people have been baptized from that post? Thousands of people show up at the West Side Church building all the time and say, I saw this on Facebook. I got to get baptized. No. Nobody reads something like that and says, well, look at me. I better get myself baptized. People read that. What do they say? How judgy. How offensive. Who does this person think they are? Why do we act that way if we're being serious with a missionary mindset to draw people to Christ? So much of what's on social media is about the latest political scandal. It is about the latest reprehensible behavior by a celebrity. It is about how the politicians are messing it up. You'll never want for material. They're always going to be doing something wrong in Washington, something wrong in Austin. They're always going to be fouling something up. There will always be another scandal in Hollywood. There will always be someone doing something offensive and wrong. But what do we want to convert people to? Are we trying to convert people to our political view? Are we trying to convert people to see the world through our lens? Or are we trying to influence people for Christ? Which means everything I put on my social media page, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, doesn't matter, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm going to run it through the filter. How will people see me as a servant of Christ? If this will result in somebody saying... He's not a true Christian. If this will result in somebody saying, I'm never following him again over some minor matter, then it can't go on my page. I'm trying to influence people for Jesus. That matters more than whether or not people know that if they vote for candidate X, the entire world will stop spinning tomorrow morning. Which brings me to this third observation this morning. This eight, we're... Where am I? This morning? Evening. This afternoon? How about this? What we want to do is we want to post strategically. Strategically. Thinking carefully about what we put before the world that's watching us. The reason social media got to be so popular, the reason those kind of stats are out there, is because of what social media is primarily about. What's social media primarily about for most people? Well, the answer is found in the original social media site. Remember, remember, some of you are old enough to remember the first social media site, which was called MySpace. MySpace precedes Facebook. And MySpace got super popular because it was about everybody's favorite subject. Me. It's MySpace. Look at my amazing vacation. Look at my amazing children. Look at me, 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 me. I'm talking about me. Look in 2 Corinthians 4. In 2 Corinthians 4, look how missionaries think. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, missionaries don't think about me. 
Look at me. Be impressed with me. Missionaries think differently. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. Paul says, We don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord with ourselves as your servants for His sake. When you're on mission... Missionaries don't go places and tell everybody, I'm here to let you know I am incredible. No. Missionaries go places and what do they say? Jesus Christ, He's incredible. That's what it's about. We're not going to proclaim ourselves. We're going to proclaim Jesus. Now how does that translate for digital missionaries? I need to be clear. That doesn't mean every post, every time is all gospel, all Bible, all Jesus, nothing else. No. No. When missionaries go to a town, go to a village, go somewhere, they participate in community life. Their kids go to school. They show up for the homecoming parade. They participate in community life. Because a missionary wants to start building bridges to people. And so a missionary is going to say... I enjoyed that. I went to that play. I cheer for that team. I'm about this because they're trying to connect with folks. So absolutely, when we get on Facebook, we're going to make connections and say, I'm a real person. This is off of my Facebook page. That's Dina and I. We're in Austin, Texas. That cheese shop, Antonelli's Cheese Shop, they had run a bunch of ads during football games and talked about what a cool cheese shop it was. And I kept watching those ads and I got to thinking, man, that's a cool cheese shop. I would like to go there someday. And then finally I thought, well, wonder where it is. Can't go there if you don't know where it is. And I Googled it up and guess what? It's right off I-35 in Austin. And the next time we went to see Dina's mom, all of a sudden we exited. And the next thing you know, we're at Antonella's Cheese Shop. It's really cool. They have more cheese there than I knew what to do with and I love cheese. We had so much fun. Those folks were really nice to us, and they gave us a bunch of samples, and we just had a great time. And you know what? I put that on my Facebook page. Hey, you should go to Antonelli's Cheese Shop. And if you have amazing grandkids like I do, you're going to want to put your amazing grandkids on your Facebook page. Those are two of my amazing grandkids. That's Maddox and that's Zoe, and we're getting ready to watch the Dallas Cowboys. We're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm putting that up because I want to connect with people. I want people to see I'm a real person. I want people to see that I monkey around with my grandson in in my office. He's got a mohawk in this, and I am thinking about wearing a mohawk. And I think maybe Maddox in a mohawk and me in a mohawk is a good look. We're working on that. Dina has vetoed that project so far, but I'll let you know how Project Mohawk goes. I'll put that kind of stuff up. I'll put that kind of stuff up. That's good. That's good. It's not offensive. It's not hacking anybody off. It's not blunting my influence. It's what? It's expanding my influence. Okay? But that is not all I'm going to put up. That's not enough, is it? I need to put content up about Jesus Christ. That's where digital missionary work takes off. That we're not just talking about where we went on vacation. We're not just talking about whether we saw the recent movie. We're not just talking about who won the recent ball game. We're talking about Jesus in our lives. Look with me in Acts 17. Here's the example. In Acts 17 and verse 22. In Acts 17, in Acts 17 and verse 22, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, 
Nineveh, men of Athens. I want to tell you about the ship that I was on. It was this really big. No. No. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. There it is. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about religion. Let's talk about faith. Paul's always bridging into that part of life. This is top flight missionary work. This is how can I connect with people so that I can help people connect with God. What here relates to Jesus Christ? Paul looks around and sees a bunch of idols. And rather than getting on Facebook and saying, can't believe where I'm at. These stupid people worship stone. Paul says, I perceive that you are very religious. I'm really glad to see that you people care about the spiritual dimension of life. I know some stuff about that. Let's talk more about the spiritual side of things. Paul doesn't just talk about the weather. Paul doesn't just complain because the barista in the Athens coffee shop can't make his latte right. Paul talks about Christ. That's the missionary mindset. And there's a couple of things that go with that. First and foremost, what that's going to mean is there can't be anything on my social that contradicts the mission. If people see me doing things that Christians don't do, we are all done here. We are all done here. Your influence is shocked. If they see me partying, if they see me using memes and jokes that have profanity, if they see me commenting, whoa, loving this new series on HBO about this, and everybody knows that that is some filthy television. Binge in another episode of this on Showtime. Everybody knows that that's just pornography light, if not pornography heavy. Where's my influence now? Can't put anything on social that contradicts my mission. That's the negative. Here's the positive. What can I post that will show I'm a Christ follower? What can I say about myself that says, I care deeply about Jesus. This is the bare minimum starting point. What can I regularly hit my social page with that says to anybody who looks at my social, Jesus is the center of who I am. You know, did you know? You can check in on Facebook every time you come to church. Did you know you can do that? And he just clips it up there. Mark Roberts, the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. Easy, simple. Everybody looks at it. What's everybody know? Hey, hey, I didn't know he goes to church. Oh, I didn't know she's a regular churchgoer. I see that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You know, if I ever have a question about where to go to church, I could ask her. Why does she go there? What does she get out of church? I see it every week. Every week. She says, I'm in church. Could I post a verse? Could I post... Been praying a lot about this. God has answered my prayer. That's just innocuous. It's not offensive. I'm not cramming my religion down your throat. I'm saying Jesus Christ is a huge part of my life. Then even more, what could I post that would help people be more interested in being a Christ follower? So we're looking now at what people need. There is a ton of anxiety in this world. 
What can I say about the peace that passes understanding that comes to disciples? There's a ton of loneliness in this world. Did the pandemic help that? No. You know what the pandemic did? The pandemic accelerated that. Lonely people got lonelier. Could we talk about a church family? What could we say about that? What about hope? This whole weekend's been about hope. You know how much hopelessness there is in this world today? It's astonishing. All the movies that are being made today that talk about the future, what's the future? The future's what? A nuclear wasteland in which zombies roam the world and eat people's brains. Woohoo! Cannot wait for tomorrow. How about you? That's the future according to Hollywood. People have no hope things are going to get better. People have no hope their life is going to get better. People see scandal and warfare and crime and terrorism and racism and division and divisiveness. And it seems like it's getting worse, not better. How about somebody who says, you know what? I have hope for a better tomorrow because God is working in my life. And then what about this? How can I be a positive influence? In a negative world. You don't ever need to get on social media and say, I don't think there's enough negativity. I'll post something negative. Boy, everybody today, just so positive. I'm glad Mr. Negative has arrived to balance things out. No, no. There's always going to be lots of negativeness. Who can go Philippians 4? Look at Philippians 4 verse 8. In Philippians 4 and verse 8. In Philippians 4 and verse 8, here's your guide for every post. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, you all know just because something's on the internet doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Which means it's not always the case that I should forward and repost everything I see. I need to make sure that I'm not... Posting something that's kind of wonky. Yes? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, you think about these things. You get ready to go online, you're going to be a digital missionary, run it through Philippians 4.8. Run it through Philippians 4.8. If it fits that criteria, if I can be positive, then I'm going to do that then I'm going to do that because I want to post strategically. Now, let me tie all this together by just giving you some ideas that will help your post have better reach. Help more people see it. Shorter is better. Social media is controlled by algorithms, by formulas. They balance and look for various kinds of things. And every algorithm and every social media expert will tell you people are not reading volumes and volumes when they're scrolling Facebook, when they're looking at Twitter. If it is long, people just keep going. So you need to be quick and concise and to the point. People are scrolling past. Shorter's going to be better. want to encourage you. You need to be yourself. Be who you are. Some folks just repost a lot of other people's stuff. The algorithms hate that. The algorithms are looking for original content. If you repost something that somebody else, Warren writes something really good, Warren does a great job on his Facebook, Warren writes something, you want to add a comment. This really helped me. Give it a read. 
The algorithms like it. Going to move it up. If all you do is share it onto your feed, it won't do as well. Be yourself. Add yourself into the post. Don't do things that are judgmental and that will push people away. If you're thinking, you know, my Christian friends at church, they're going to know about this post. So, so they'll understand what I mean. You know what that actually means? Don't post that. Because we're trying to influence people besides just our Christian friends. And what about arguing? We're not arguing online. If you start digital missionary work, you will get the trolls. Oh, you think the Bible's the Word of God? The Bible's nothing but a man-made book. Oh, we all know that evolution is how we got here. How can you believe in such an unscientific thing as creation? The trolls will come out of the woodwork because they want attention, because they want to cause controversy, because they're just mean. What are we doing about that? We will not engage the trolls. In Proverbs, please, the wise man says this. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 29. In Proverbs 29, 9. In Proverbs 29 and verse 9. This is the internet verse. Proverbs 29 and verse 9. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet. Don't engage. Social media is a terrible place to debate. You get comment after comment after comment. Nobody can track it. Hey, so-and-so, you said three comments ago this, but I'm now saying what you said about something in my second comment. About, oh, come on. What do we say to the trolls? That's an interesting point that you raised. Would you direct message me and we'll talk about that privately? But having a debate with a fool, Proverbs 29, 9, in public, isn't going to help the cause of Christ. You know what does help? When you post a picture. The algorithms love pictures. Take one yourself, find one. Any picture, some picture, picture of the Bible, picture of the church building, picture of you, picture of your kids, picture of your grandkids in a Dallas Cowboy jersey. Winning. Get a picture. Pictures push engagement. People stop and look at pictures. We're a very visual culture. How about this? Anybody listening to podcasts? Everybody's listening to podcasts. Podcasts are the hottest thing going right now. If you listen to a podcast and you got something good out of it, you should post a link to that and say, Hey, I listened to that. This helped me. That checks so many boxes. Short, genuine. It's not judgy. I'm not cramming it down your throat. I'm just saying, Hey, give this a try. I'm not arguing about it. Podcasts come with a logo. Get that podcast up. Put a podcast up. Our podcast at Westside follows our daily Bible reading program. I'm astonished at the reach that it has way outside the walls of the West Side Church of Christ. And can I say this? More than 50% of podcast listeners are male. You don't want to know, do you want to know what the toughest demographic is for us to reach with the gospel? Men, really hard. Really hard. Our society wars against men going to church. Our society hates it when men are spiritually minded. Our society paints all of that using characters. You're a sissy man. You're a choir boy. You know this. How do we reach men? Podcasts reach men. Podcasts reach men. You're listening to a podcast? Get it on your page. Say something about that. Seven, say something about a class. Say something about a sermon. Come to Wednesday night Bible study. Really good discussion. Really helped you out of the book of Daniel. Post it. 
Post it. Everything's on the Laurel Heights website. Put a link up. Post that and say, hey, listen to this. This will be valuable to you. Or, even better, what if you emailed that link to someone? Hey, remember that conversation we were having at work two weeks ago about end times? We talked about that tonight in Bible class. Give this a listen. That's so easy to do. It's so inoffensive. They're listening on their time. You're not there breathing down their throat. Listen. Listen when you want. We had a wonderful fella at Westside that, that this couple has since moved away. Very evangelistically minded digitally. Began to have some conversations with a lady at work about New Testament Christianity. Was trying to help her see her way out of denominational Christianity. They would talk. Then he would find a sermon where I had preached about those things. The one church concept. He would send her a link. Hey, you know that we talked about that yesterday at lunch? Hey, listen to this sermon. Tell me what you think about it. A lot of talk via email. No pressure. Lots and lots of links. You know that we had a conversation about baptism? You ought to listen to this sermon. He sent her dozens of sermons. After two years, one day there was a conversation in the office and everyone was talking about church music. And whether it's appropriate to have a praise band and instrumental music. And all of a sudden, Adam heard the lady that he had been studying with via email turn around and say, instrumental music in church is wrong, and I don't know if I even believe that, but that is what the Bible says. And he knew then, she's going to become a Christian. And two weeks later, she did. She knew what the Bible said. Because he had been feeding her Biblical material in a way that she could receive it that was not off-putting and it was all digital. She listened on her own time at her own pace. She'd come back with a question, but what about this? And Adam would say, well, maybe this. And here would be a lesson. Oh, take a look at this. Here would be a lesson. Link after PDF after link after link. And she became a Christian. Eight. What about being positive about church? Spent a lot of time here this weekend. Feel good about it? Post about it. Tremendous weekend. Got so much hope. Really helped me out. Loved it. Loved it. Number nine. You doing daily Bible reading? Sure you're doing daily Bible reading. It's who we are. It's what we do. We talk to God in prayer. God talks to us through the Word. So, today in my daily Bible reading, I read this. That was so cool. Here's the daily Bible reading schedule that I'm on. Follow along with me. Do you need a daily Bible reading schedule? Talk about daily Bible reading. What does that do? That positions you in people's mind as what? You're a serious Christian. Dude, you read your Bible all the time. If I have a Bible question in my office, who would I come and ask that question to? The person who's always online saying something about daily Bible reading? Finally then, you want to get serious? Just ask. How can I pray for you? There are so many people hurting in our world today. What if we said to people, I pray for you. How can I pray for you? I've never met anybody yet who got angry when I offered to pray for them. Then when someone says, I need your prayers, what are we going to do about that? We're going to pray for them. 
And then we're going to send them a direct message, an email, a Facebook message, whatever's appropriate, containing the content of the prayer. I prayed for you today, and I prayed for your mama who is sick in the hospital. And I ask God to bless you with patience, and I ask God to bless the doctors that they can figure out what's going on with your mama and bring her healing. Thank you for asking me to pray for you. That's serious right there, isn't it? That's strong. That's being a missionary. You know what's easy to do? Post a big meme. If you don't think like I think, you're going to hell. Then nobody ever responds. Nobody wants to talk to us. And what do we say? No one's interested in the truth. Really? Really? Maybe if we met people where they are, like Paul met people in Acts 17, we could find more people who are interested in being connected to Jesus. This is very intentional. This is very deliberate. And it's very important. Again, we're not doing this all the time. It's not nonstop. We can post about other things. But we are definitely using social media as a platform to get the message of the gospel out there little bits at a time. We are posting strategically. Now, I hope that this would give you some ideas about becoming a missionary. And I hope that it would give you some ideas about the hope that God is at work in your life. Because God does want to work in your life. And now because of social media and these phones, we have an incredible instrument where God can work through you. We sing that song sometimes, you never mention Him to me. And I get it, that's a powerful song. But I'd like to think about something on the other side. What would it be like on the day of judgment to see a former co-worker go through the pearly gates? And you're scratching your head a little bit. Because they weren't a Christian. Care about God? You almost want to tug on Jesus' robe a little bit and say, Hey, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't think she's supposed to. And so now you walk over toward them and suddenly your coworker sees you. And there's a huge smile and your former coworker runs and hugs your neck and says to you, you know, I saw the things you posted. I saw what Jesus was doing in your life. And even though I was so far away from that, and I acted like I wasn't interested, I could never stop thinking about what you had with Jesus. And I moved away, but I kept following you, and I kept seeing the things that you posted, and I listened to some of those sermons, and I found God's people, and I learned the truth. And I'm here because you started me toward Jesus on your Facebook page. Oh, praise God that such could happen because we were intentional and missional and evangelistic in our social media work. Let's pray about it. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, 
We're awed by your servants in the past who have carried the gospel everywhere. And we are intrigued today as we're reminded of the power electronically that we have to do the same. Open our eyes to new opportunities. Help us to be careful and strategic in our influence. Help us to learn new tools to stretch ourselves so that we can have more influence. Bless us, Father, with the chances to tell other people about Jesus in person, in a letter, or online. It's in Christ that we pray, and amen. So we'll close this part of our service with an invitation song. Mostly tonight, I've talked to Christians about what it is to be a Christian, but it would be really inappropriate to talk about how great it is to be a Christian without saying, is there anybody who needs to know more about Jesus so they could be involved in this great evangelistic work, we sure would love to talk with you. Don't have to wait and watch a post on Facebook. Just come see me, and we'll talk more about Jesus. If you are here tonight and you're not a Christian, but you know about Jesus and the five steps and all of that stuff, but you've never done anything about that, this is it. This is it. You need to become a disciple. You know that. Give yourself to Jesus. You can do it. The Lord will bless you and be with you. It'll mean a whole new way of living as you start living for Christ. In Acts 2 and verse 38, the first time the gospel was preached, people were told, repent and be baptized. I'll say the same thing tonight. Mostly I would say, if you're a Christian and you're not living right, you better get it fixed. Your social media is a mess. Your influence is a mess. You know it. God knows it. It's time to change it. We'll help you right now. Put sin out of your life. Repent. Turn away from that. Confess that. We'll pray with you and for you. Your very next post is going to be what? I've made a mess out of things, but I'm trying to be right with the Lord now. What a powerful thing that will be in your life and in the lives of those who are watching you. Can we help you become a Christian? Could we help you be a better Christian? Make your way down front while we stand, while we sing.